0: a greeting of love to each of you this evening in the name of Jesus our Savior and triumphant risen Lord. We're grateful to God that we have the Bible and uh, we're grateful for God's love that we have such a great God that is a powerful God, a strong God, a wise God and yet He loves us. He loves every one of us and His, His whole intent His His passion is that man would be drawn to him and would come to him and acknowledge him as their only hope and only way to escape eternal destruction. I'd like to greet you with the the words of Paul when he wrote to the Ephesians, where he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath... Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, with, blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace wherein he hath abounded toward us in all riches, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will. And here we see different words. We see the word mystery, this thing that was hidden from the foundation of the world, that that the Gentiles and the Jews should be fellow heirs of, of Christ's redemption plan, that they would be made one. And as we read through the book of Ephesians, we see time and time again how he speaks to the church and he talks about togetherness, drawing us together, bringing us together in Christ. And though we have many differences, and there are differences, and I look across the audience and I see a different person. Every one of you is very different from the other one, and yet you have some similarities But God wants us, and we can look across the population of the whole world. You know, it's very interesting. Uh, Sometimes we say, I've seen someone that looks like you. And I had had an uncle, and he came and said to me one time, he said, your one daughter looks just like my granddaughter. And when I looked at her, you know what, I didn't see that. She had some resemblance, but I didn't see what he saw, I don't think. And so, you know, God, he sees all our differences, but he's calling us together one as one. And he wants us to be one in in several things, that he wants us to be one. And that's, he wants us to be one in love. He wants us to be one in in realizing that Christ is the only way that we can be redeemed from sin. And have our sins forgiven. And be free before him and before all men. and it says that he he had this plan in place before the world began. And so we're grateful for a God that though he is so great that he loves each one of us and he cares for each one of us. I'd also like to look at another verse that was read already in Ephesians 4 verse 12. This is one of the sent this is actually the middle verse in Ephesians. Uh, If you look at the verse 12, and I'd like to begin reading at verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Here he's saying that he equipped the church, his body. He gave some apostles and he gave some prophets and he gave evangelists and he gave pastors and teachers. And, uh, you know, we can look at each of those separately. It's been said that an apostle must have be must have been someone that saw the Lord, and we we know how that Paul. Some people felt Paul was disqualified here, because he hadn't been one of the apostles. Whenever they whenever uh, uh, Judas transgressed, and he he left his apostleship, then they chose another, and they said it must be someone who went in and out with us, someone who saw the Lord. That was one of the requirements for an apostle. And so Paul comes later on and he said, that am not I an apostle? He said, have not I seen the Lord? And so he was, he was uh, authenticating his apostleship. He was saying, I am an apostle. But today we don't have apostles. We don't have people that saw the Lord in person and that went in and out with him. <clears throat> But we have these other, we have evangelists, we have pastors and teachers, and there's even some debate as to whether we have prophets in our day. I look at as a prophet as someone that speaks the word of God. Uh, In the New Testament, I can't think of the reference right now, it it talks about praying and prophesying. Okay, yeah, it's in Corinthians. He talks about praying and prophesying, and he says that uh, the man that prophesies he speaks to men to edification, to comfort, and to. There's another word there. Can't think of it. But a prophet is someone that speaks to men on behalf of God. He speaks to men God's message. Uh, when you pray, you speak to God on behalf of man. That's the difference between praying and prophesying. It's just the reverse. We see someone prophesying, he's speaking to man on behalf of God. When someone is praying, he's speaking to God on behalf of man. <clears throat> and then it says he gave some evangelists. And we, we enjoy having evangelists among ourselves in our groups. We enjoy having evangelists. Uh, someone who can proclaim the salvation message with, with power and strength and bring conviction into the heart of sinners and encourage the saints. We love to see that. And we have pastors, those who feed the flock, those who are responsible to, like a shepherd. It's the same word, like a shepherd. They feed the flock. They shepherd the flock. And we have teachers, people that impart knowledge. And you know, whenever we, we love to hear knowledge, uh, and we have teachers who share knowledge with us and they show us how to apply that knowledge. And that's a great blessing when we have, when we have that, uh, those people in our midst. Therefore, as it says in verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come in the unity of the faith. That's, that's what God's design and desire is, that these things are put in place, these offices, so that we all come together in the unity of the faith. And that's my desire to see that as for you as a congregation here and for Christianity as a whole, that when we look at the Bible, that we come closer together. We see this, you know, sometimes we, we look at Christianity and we, we think that Christianity is spread apart very far. And, and it is, and it's sad, but I think the reason it is is because we haven't really looked at the Bible as an instruction book for our life. <clears throat> or maybe we have looked. You know, I've spoken to some very sincere people that think that uh, the Bible commands us to obey our government and go to war, and they're not non-resistant. And, and so we see people that have a flat theology. They think that the Old Testament carries as much weight for us today as the New Testament. And so they have that idea of they don't support the idea of uh, non-resistance. But when we look at the New Testament as the last will and uh, the last message of God, then it draws us closer together. We can come to a a common ground and see what God really wants, how God really wants His people to live. I, uh, wish each of you as a congregation the blessing of God. And as we were together, we recently went through an ordination at our congregation, and it was a blessing to listen to the messages at three ordination services, and then to see the, the voice of the church, and to see a brother chosen that we believe Desires to preach the everlasting gospel of peace. Someone that knows the Lord and someone that loves the Lord. And whenever we work together as a church, we can overcome the enemy. Because we have an enemy. And you know, <clears throat> whenever the church drifts apart and and, the, and we don't apply the Bible biblical principles and we're, we're drifting apart instead of being drawn together by the word of God. You know, sometimes we focus on our differences instead of our, our, uh, our similarities. And that can draw, draw us, it drives us apart. But God wants to, us to be drawn together. And so we need to focus on our similarities. And we have some differences that we need to work on. But God wants togetherness. Togetherness is of God. <clears throat> There's a verse in Philippians 1, verse 27. It says that you stand fast. I'm kind of breaking in here. And it says that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. You know, sometimes I I think if we would look at certain issues, certain uh, cardinal issues in the scripture, we would say we are one. And then we look at little differences. And, you know, sometimes those little differences after maybe 20, 30 years, those little differences melt away, and they aren't as important as they once were. And I see that in my life, that some things that may have been very important, or I thought were important, I don't see as quite as important in now. But then there are other things that I find that are more important, and those are the things that should hold us together and should draw us together, that we should be one on, because they, they stand. They shall stand. <clears throat> I would like to turn to Corinthians. to Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I think I'll read from 1 to 11. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it. Neither are ye now yet able. Excuse me. Neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envy and strife and division, are ye not carnal? And walk as men, for while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed? Even as the Lord gave to every man, I have planted Apollos' water, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every one shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid which is Jesus Christ. The scripture here talks about togetherness. Paul came to the Corinthians here, and he saw division. He saw there was things that were pushing them apart. And he said, that isn't from God. That's a carnal response. He said, the scriptures are made to draw us together. The love of God is made to draw us together. He said, there's envy. There is strife. There is division. Those are marks of a self-life. They are marks of carnality. And then he said he sees that some say, oh, I, I'm, I'm Paul. I, I walk with Paul. And some say, oh, I walk with Apollos. I, I agree with Apollos. And then Paul said, Apollos and I are one. Why do you say I, am, I walk with him and I walk with him? You should say we walk with Christ. We are both ministers of Christ. That's our intent. Our intent is to point you to Christ. And that should be the intent of every minister of the gospel, is to point his people toward Christ. But you know, we are human. And we look at one man. um, And we think, we hear him speak. And we think he's a great man. I can agree with him. And after a while, we see something in his life that we don't like as well, and we think, you know, in our estimation, he drops a little bit. Uh, It's interesting how we form opinions of people, sometimes that we should not. I remember being at a funeral one time, and I was listening to the message, and had a very good message, and I looked at the man, and I thought, he must be a fairly modest man. I, I, uh, my appreciation started growing for him. And, and uh, after the burial, we came back and we sat down and ate lunch. And here he was right across the table from me. And, oh, there was his wife. And uh, she didn't look quite as modest as I thought he looked. And immediately my uh, opinion of him started changing. And, uh, you know, sometimes we do that. I remember one time we were at a seminar, and I, on the way home, I said to my wife, I said, what do you think of so-and-so? Some of you would know him. And uh, she thought a little bit, and then she said, well, I don't know. And she said, I have to see his wife first. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. You know, the kind of white woman that a man chooses says something about him. But we we form opinions. And you know, sometimes we we look at things in life and they're not quite the way we thought they were. All of us see things from a different perspective. And so we need to have charity one for another. Some people haven't arrived at certain beliefs yet. Now, it's also true that certain people, some people are discarding beliefs and truths that they would do well to hold. And so I I say to you as a church, as a congregation, support your ministry. Don't have a favorite. Uh, And if another is chosen of these brethren, support him. And, And try to help your ministry to work together. You know, I was speaking to a brother one time from another congregation, and he was talking to me about the differences in their ministry, and how he wishes some things would be different. And I said, I knew the brother quite well, and I said, you know what? You need to do them a favor instead of, instead of working against them. I said, you do everything in your power to help them work together. You know, the closer you are in an association with someone, the 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 easier you see their faults. It's a little bit like an illustration that I once heard. You know, I remember having a tree in our yard. It was a beautiful Norway maple. And we would get company and people would say, boy, you have a nice tree. I love that tree in the yard. And I said, I do too. But we trimmed it several times. And you know, the closer you would get to that tree, you would see a lot of imperfection. In fact, it was just a big ball of leaves. And you got in the middle, you could see where we trimmed it off, and here were rotten spots where we had trimmed it off. We trimmed it maybe three or four times. And there were things there that didn't look very nice. But, you know, to a casual observer, it was a wonderful thing. And that's how the church is. The church is a wonderful thing. But the closer we get to each other, sometimes we see things that, that are not the way they should be. And there are things like that in my life that should not be. And we need to work on each other. And we need to have patience with each other. And we need to help each other. You know, sometimes it says here that I am of Paul and I am of Paulus. It almost seems sometimes that there's people that are trying to create divisions instead of create unity. And that's sad. You know, Paul and Apollos were both ministers of the gospel. They they had one purpose in mind. They weren't trying to to raise themselves up and trying to get a following for themselves. They were trying to call people to to follow Jesus. And that should be our intent. Every true minister of the gospel has that goal in mind. They were just ministers, and they were calling people to God. The church isn't ours. The church is God's. He has purchased it with his own blood. Their goal was to make Christ known to all men, to spread the word of the glorious gospel. You know, at home, we, we recently had an ordination, and we had five ministers before that. But all of us were over 50 and uh, had one that was over 60 and several of us are pretty close to 60. And uh, so we decided it's time to have another ordination and to, to get some younger brother on the team. And you know, every one of us look different and think different to a certain degree and We approach problems in different ways sometimes. But, you know, we all have our peculiar strengths and weaknesses. But there is one thing that we have a desire to do, and that's we have a desire, and our responsibility is also to work together for the sake of Christ and the church. We are fellow laborers. We are helpers of each other to call men to the gospel, to present the gospel. Pardon me. Never try to divide your ministers. Try to help them work together. Do the best you can and help them work together. For we are laborers together with God. the desire for togetherness is from God. We are laborers together. He says here <clears throat> No, it's in uh, it's in Ephesians 4. He says ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. And there he's he's talking about the church. He says we are Let me get that Okay. Uh, can't find it. Uh, but he's saying that, okay, I knew I read it. Thank you. It's 1 Corinthians 4. 3 9. Okay. Uh, it says, yes, for we are labors together. Speaking about Paul and Apollos. Speaking about the ministers there. He's saying, for we are labors together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. You are the field. You are the building. And then he says that it's our responsibility to minister to you. That is God's design for the church and for her leaders. <clears> 1 <throat> Peter 5, and I'd like to turn to that as well. 1 Peter 5, verses 5 and 6. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. here he's asking us to work together harmoniously and to do that requires humi- submission and humility there is a lot of room for humble servants in the church I remember one time <clears throat> someone was at a church and he said something about Maya that's a large church and then he's, the minister there said you know a lot of patient sheep can fit into a small fold but you know whenever we get to bickering and biting we move apart but when we are patient with each other when we submit to one another when we fear God there is lots of room and we need humble servants in the church may God find us to be that
1: to thank the brother for preaching. I think the verse that he read that stands out to me is the verse that says that other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We can try as we might and we can work day and night, but our work will be futile unless it's founded on the foundation of Jesus Christ. We have come this far. We have four brothers in the lot. Brother Kinley Coulter, Brother Elvin Fisher, Brother Chester King, and Brother Steve Yoder. These men have been a blessing to the church. They were nominated for, to be in the lot by the church on Friday evening. Um, everything was done within the parameters the church had agreed on. Um, we interviewed each of them on yesterday, so we're blessed to confirm their nomination and to have them here, um, before us. They have each expressed that they would be willing to take the charge if called. We plan to use a lot. Um... It's a biblical model. They did that in Acts chapter 1. and That's what we want to do. We want to do everything in the fear of God. Before we do that, let's just stand for a word of prayer. Father, again, we stand before you, and we recognize you as high and holy and lifted up. And Father, we stand in fear of you, not in a fear that causes us to be afraid, but in a fear that causes us to tremble at your holiness. We thank you for bringing us to this place, and we thank you for these brothers that you've given us, their wives and their families. Thank you for the contribution that they have been to the church, and we pray that each one could continue to work and to move and function in the calling that you call him with. We commit this to you. And Father, as we set the lot, we ask that you would reveal your will. You know the hearts of all men. You know everything. But Father, we ask that you would show us the one that you have chosen. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I have four Bibles here. They're all new. They're all similar to my knowledge. I have a slip of paper. I'm going to ask um, Brother Junior Stolzfus, would you come, take this slip of paper and put it in between the Old and New Testaments. I have a bookmark in all four at the same place. You want to put it between the Old and New Testaments at the bookmark. Take the Bibles out, out the door, down the steps, and to your left, there's a ledge. Set them on there and um, leave them there. Just make sure you can't see the slip of paper when you're done. Out this door, down the steps, and the is to your left. Thank you. Brother Dave Boller, would you want to go get them? Bring them up here and lay them on the table. Face up, spines towards the audience in a row this way. The parts so of one's about as easy to get as the other one. You. you may pick up your books. By the grace of God and the aid of the Holy Spirit to give yourself to the work of the Church. Do you promise herewith to give heed to all the doctrine of the Word of God, to accept it as the rule and guide of your life, to preach and teach it in its entirety and purity, and to abide in it with you? The instruction and the teaching of the Word of God, and to seek to work with your, fellow, with your fellow ministers in the Council of the Church, and in all things, show yourself an approved workman in the maker of the Lord. Amen. Are you willing to submit your ministry and keep the in charge in the Council of this Church and the Ministry of the and not to take only upon yourself the responsibility to continue or discontinue your ministry? Amen. Brother Kimball, the charge you're given here this evening. to the foregoing This charge will be valid and in effect as long as you are faithful to these promises and as long as you Grazie. Brother Kinley, I herewith, in the name of Jesus Christ and the church, give you a charge for the office of deacon in the Shane Mountain Christian Fellowship. I charge you, therefore, to fulfill your deacon duties, to preach the gospel in its purity, to warn the sinner, to admonish the unconverted, to repent, to teach, instruct, comfort, and encourage the believers, be instant in season and out of season, and to rebuke, to reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine, and to make full proof of your ministry. Likewise, give heed to yourself, walk circumspectly, read the word, meditate upon its precious precepts, and pray without ceasing. And in all things, seek to be a faithful laborer in the vineyard of the Lord. Continue in these things, for in so doing you shall both save yourself and those that hear you. To this end, may the Almighty God, bless you and anoint you with his spirit, fill you with his love, and use you mightily in the building of his kingdom through Jesus Christ. Of temptation, keep him strong. In the time of bereavement, or grief, or struggle, or trial, or whatever you may have for him, we ask that you would light his path, make a way for him in those times. him a heart of integrity and honesty. When he is comforting the lonely and the sick, we pray that you give him a heart of love and humility. When he is going about to restore unity, we pray that you would give him a heart of Unabashedly, that the word of God, that your word could be proclaimed in this church and beyond in its truth in its entirety. Father, when the sun is shining, we ask that you would bless him, but also that you would give just enough of rain to keep his feet on the ground when it's cloudy and when it's stormy, help him to remember that at the end of every the cherry there is a corner But help him also to remember that after every corner there can be Father, we commit him to you. Guide him and direct him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God, we also pray for Rebecca. Bless her. Use her heart. May she be the helper.
2: for their children to graciously given them that. We just pray for Jared and Jason and Jacob and Jessica, and Sabrina, Jaden. Can yeah. you just at this time give them grace to reach out in acceptance of this calling their, their father? And we just pray that their hearts will continue to be turned to their father and the Father's heart. Yeah. continue to guide them. We just pray, Lord, that you would enable them to see the opportunity that they have as the sons of the deacon to make a contribution to the kingdom of God that is everlasting. And we just pray that you would enable them to pick up. Oh
1: to our church here at Shade Mountain. Beloved in the Lord. Receive Brother Kinley with joy. Look upon him as the chosen of the Lord and appointed for this work. Pray for him and his family and manifest toward them the full measure of love that the gospel requires. When the word of God is declared, receive it as truth. Seek to obey it and submit yourself to it that he may serve you with joy. Acknowledge him as laboring among you in the Lord, admonishing you and teaching you in the way of everlasting life. Esteem him highly for his work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. May God bless you and keep you as his own dear church and finally bring you all to his eternal abode through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to whom be honor and praise and glory forever. Amen To you, Kenley, I'd like to give you a few words. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but as an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Anticipate working with Brother Kinley. I've known him on a business level for probably ten years as a brother in the church. Or maybe five or so, have appreciated his, his um, desire to serve the Lord, have appreciated his ability to teach. So God bless you. We'll look to George Stulsters at this time to bring us the, uh, the sermon.
3: Greetings this evening in the precious name of Jesus. Again, it's a privilege to be in the house of God, a privilege to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's a tremendous privilege and blessing that we have as God's children to be a part of his church. I'd like to express my thanks to the local congregation here for your interest, your support, and prayers. And I just... uh, challenge you to continue to follow God, serve Him where He has called you. Brother Kinley, God bless you in your responsibilities. Brother Chet, Elvin, and Steve, God bless you. As you are perhaps an errand and a Her to Brother Kinley in the ministry here. This evening, it's a, it's a privilege to be a part of the church and to see the work of God continuing on my title this evening is uh, the responsibility of the church to your ministry your pastors your new deacon it's been a privilege to be deacon in at shekinah to have a congregation that supports and encourages me. And I trust that you at uh, Shade Mountain here will be those kind of people as well, that you have been and will continue to be people that uh, support and encourage your pastors. God bless you in that. I have three points this evening that I'd like to look at. There may be many more that we should, but if you're like me, you tend to forget so quickly if we have so many things and look at so many different things. So I've chosen to look at three things, and I challenge you to remember these and to do them as you continue through life. Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Timothy chapter 2 for my first point. 1 Timothy chapter 2. My first point is that you pray for your ministry. I believe that this is perhaps the most important thing that you can do for your ministry. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. I believe this verse speaks about our local government, but I believe it also speaks about the church leaders. Verse four says, or verse 3, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I believe that's the goal of all of us as pastors, is it not? That men might be saved, that they might find the Lord, that they might be redeemed from sin. And this is something that we can't do on our own strength. The power of prayer has a tremendous effect on our lives. I have felt it many times, and I trust that we as pastors can all say that. I exhort, therefore, that, first of all, supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. This evening, my challenge to you is that you pray for your pastors. Pray for your new deacon, Brother Kinley. I'd just like to quickly look at a number of verses that talk about prayer. James 5, verses 16 and 17, a very familiar familiar verses to many of us, I believe, says, "...confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed." The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I'd like to highlight that effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. Prayer is work. I don't find prayer easy. You know, I mean, yeah, we can go flippantly through our prayers and do it quickly and and when it suits and so on. But I believe God has much more than that for us. I believe we need to look at prayer as a privilege and as a work. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes perseverance. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, it says it takes much. And, or, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's talking about Elijah and his prayer. We know that Elijah prayed and things happened. And I believe that things will continue to happen in the kingdom of God as God's people pray. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17 says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Continue to pray. Don't give up. If you're like me, you're tempted to pray for a while, and then you forget about the need, and you give up. Especially for your pastors, I say, pray every day. Pray without ceasing. They need your prayers. We're in a warfare, and I believe we know that Satan is out to get leaders, the leaders of the church, the leaders of our land. They need your prayers. We need your prayers. We desperately do. Philippians 4, verse 6 says, "...be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God." Again and again we have in Scripture that we need to pray for each other. In Acts chapter 1, it says the people were together in one accord, and they prayed, and God sent His Spirit. The Holy Spirit was given A tremendous privilege that we have today to have the Holy Spirit within our lives to guide us and to direct us. Why did this happen? Because the people were together in one accord and they prayed. God answered their prayer. And God will continue to answer our prayers as we pray fervently. Acts 12 verse 5. Peter was in prison and it says that prayer was made without ceasing. What happened? Peter was delivered. I would like to suggest that there are perhaps maybe times that your pastors are in prison as it were, maybe not behind bars, but there may be something in their lives that uh, Satan is attacking them. And I believe it's your duty and your responsibility, your privilege to pray for them. Pray fervently. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25, we have Paul and Silas in prison. It says that they prayed and sang praises, and we know what happened. They were delivered. We have many accounts of scripture where people prayed and God worked. There are specific areas that I'd like to call you to pray for your leaders. Your leaders are just that. They've been called to lead. They've been called to administrate. They have to make decisions. We make decisions at times that are not easy to make. We struggle, we take a lot of time at times, perhaps not enough at other times, To decide what should be done. Pray for them in their administration administration responsibilities, their leadership responsibilities. Pray for them as they preach the word, as they prepare messages, and as they preach. There are many out there today that are not preaching the truth of God's word. That's of utmost importance, that they preach the truth of God's word unashamedly. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Pray that your preachers might not be ashamed of the the word of God, of the gospel of Christ. That they would preach the truth in its entirety. That they would teach all the doctrines of the word. Pray for his wife. Pray for his family. Pray for protection, both physically and spiritually. We're in a warfare Someone has said that we are tempted either by pride or fear. And I believe that's true. Many times, uh, a lot of our uh, temptations perhaps fall under these two categories. Either we're tempted to be proud of our accomplishments or we're tempted to be fearful and just shirk back and not rise up to the challenge that we see before us. I challenge you to pray. As I was preparing for this sermon, I was reminded of my responsibilities, my privilege, of praying for my co-pastors. I'm glad to have two of them here this evening. It's a tremendous privilege and a blessing to serve as a leadership team. Turn with me, if you will, to First Timothy chapter 5 for my second and third point. <clears throat> First Tim- or, yes, 1 Timothy, First Thessalonians, excuse me, chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5. I'd like to read verses twelve and thirteen. Verse twelve says, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. My first point here is that you know, esteem, and support your pastor. As I think of the word "know" here, I think of a relationship. Now, I'm convinced that all your pastors here at Shade Mountain would like to have a relationship with all of you here. They like to know you. They like to understand you. They would really like that. And it takes a lot of time. And I challenge you to do your part in building that relationship. It can't be done just by them. So I challenge you as a congregation to do your part in building that relationship. Get to know them, encourage them, support them, to esteem them very highly here, it says in verse 13, for their work's sake. To all of you, be an Aaron, be a Aaron and a Hur, lift up their arms, show respect, give words of affirmation, words of encouragement. We don't need words of flattery. But we do need encouragement at times, and I challenge you in that. I thank you for the encouragement that you've given to me in these few days that I was here. God bless you, and do that to your ministry. How else can you support them? I don't know if you ever uh, were trying to convey something to someone when they were sleeping. How successful were you? When we as a ministry are preaching,